Welcome to Return to Oz Minute. If this is your first time here, what are you doing? Go listen to the other episodes. No, I'm just kidding. Welcome. We're glad to have you here. Uh, we're the podcast that is analyzing the 1985 Disney film Return to Oz one minute at a time. My name is Tierney Steele. And I'm Mike Carlucci. And we're still in Kansas, but we're getting there. Progress of plot is being made in minute 12, which is what we're talking about today. Minute 12 starts with me realizing the girl isn't in the machine. It is her reflection in the glass that covers the machine. And it ends 60 seconds later with Aunt M leaving Dorothy at the doctor's office. A place every child and pet dreads being left at. All right, all right, let's think about happy things first. Um, we get a much better look at what the script refers to as the yellow-haired girl, or a yellow-haired girl, is that correct? She's simply a yellow-haired girl. She may not be the yeah. only yellow-haired girl. <laughs> also, there's the word blonde, like, for this express purpose. Uh, <laughs> this unnamed girl is looking through those really cool circular windows of the doctor's office uh which is why dorothy can see her reflection dorothy turns around and looks at her through the window she looks pretty friendly she's played by emma ridley and this is essentially though not literally her only acting credit on imtb does anyone know anything more about Emma Ridley? I like that uh, we get an homage through camera work back to an earlier shot. Because uh, earlier in the film we saw Dorothy sees the shooting star, but it's in the mirror. And then she turns and looks out her window. So we saw the night sky in the mirror, then the night sky in the window. Here, a girl shows up as, a, as the reflection and then Dorothy turns again and looks out a window to see the see her in the flesh nice um goodness gracious some of our listeners I bet do know a lot about Emma Ridley because I had originally just looked her up on IMDb, which told me that she was born in 1972. She is British. She's an actress, but like I said, she has a couple other credits, but this is the, the, I don't want to say most legitimate because obviously like, hey, acting is acting, but she was in an episode of a TV series. She was in an episode of another TV series. She was in a 1975 movie. Like, and mostly appearing as herself in things. And I had not put it together that she appears as herself in the TV movie documentary 50 Greatest Wedding Shockers. Just didn't occur to me. I was like, okay, well, she's appearing as herself in a documentary. That's not, that's not the same. Like, gee, she must not have really done anything after this movie. But then when you just straight up Google her, oh goodness, she has a whole history and this is fascinating.
fascinating. She was one of the 80s bad girls. <laughs> uh, at age 15, eloped to Vegas to marry a man twice her age. That might be why she's in that documentary. Uh, a performance artist with a history of dance, music, film, television, and burlesque. Um, wow. This is fascinating. And, and it mentions, you know, her outrageous antics. This is from a Mirror article. Uh, Emma Ridley's outrageous antics with fellow bad girls Tamara Beckwith and Amanda D. I'm not, you know what? I'm not even going to try because that's French and I'll butcher it. But I've heard of Tamara Beckwith before. So, wow. Her latest transformation. Provocative outfits. The original 80s wild child. This is great. I'm sorry. I've gone down a rabbit hole. All right, I'm back. I'm paying attention now. Um, she looks very demure in this minute, obviously. <laughs> it does change what you think about her role in the film when you find out that afterwards, well, from when she was a child to uh, her, her adult life, that it's, uh, you don't always, always uh, see someone who has less of a career from their child to adult, but is still, you know, still, still shows up. Like, she didn't just drop out of the public eye, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes you can transition. I mean, people go through weird phases and then years down the line end up doing something else really cool and you just never know. I just think it's funny that it had never occurred to me. I have the IMDb link and I was all set to go. And then I was like, huh, I wonder if you just Google her what comes up. And it's funny because of looking at these pictures in the 80s and I'm like, this is not long after this movie was made. Like maybe a couple of years. It's really, oh man, it's right there. See, there's so much more to this movie than I realized watching it seven billion times as a kid just keeps giving and giving oh uh, i i'm happy to keep talking about like naughty british socialites but i have a feeling you probably want to talk about what else happens in minute 12 don't you even though it's upsetting well we get to meet the head nurse let the terror begin Dressed yeah. in black, as any welcoming, warm, good guy character often is. Yeah, an intimidating Victorian, high-necked, long-sleeved black. And she's got that long key hanging from her waist. Is that supposed to remind you of, like, the rosaries that nuns have always hanging down? Because that's what it looks like. Yeah, I guess, uh, I guess that is a thought. I mean, I that's... It's clearly not what it is, but, like, that's the visual, like, uh, reference. It's the visual reference you have for that sort of, like, long black and then the hanging. Ugh. You know that she is stern. Yes. And Aunt M insists she has to get back to Henry before dark, which, to be fair, she said she would. So she's just gonna leave Dorothy here. 
And this seems... This just seems... Has always seemed weird to me, because... Aunt Em... What, what did she think was, was happening? Did she think this was like an out clinic type of thing? They were just going to bring her in and zap her? Like, did she not... She seems caught off guard at how much time they've spent. Or she is just doing that as an act for Dorothy's sake? And she knew it was an overnight? No, because when they leave the farm, Uncle Henry says, you know, make sure he doesn't say y'all, but you know, like he implies, okay, both of you get back here before dark. So I would believe that Aunt Em didn't realize this was an overnight thing and thought they'd both be coming back that evening. Like, it'd be an all-day thing, but then she did not expect... Because she also didn't have Dorothy bring a change of clothes or anything like that. Yeah. And it really seems like all characters believed this was going to be... She goes into town, she comes back. Yeah. Oh, which makes it even more terrifying. Um, Aunt Em is trying to distract me from my scaredness um does she all of a sudden have an accent she does get a little bit of a like a texas twang or something okay okay so yeah twang is the word i should have been thinking just a little bit because i couldn't yeah oh it's not crazy but it's just like what where did that have you been doing you start questioning like has she been doing that the whole time and i just didn't realize it but just slips a little bit here. Um, I have once again wondered about Dorothy's parentage because Aunt M says she's never let Dorothy out of her or never let her out of my sight before. What? When did Dorothy come to live with them? How are you related to Dorothy? I'm sorry, I keep asking these questions that we don't have answers to, but I can't help it. <laughs> well, she's never let her out, out of her sight before since Dorothy came into her life. I mean, that's gotta be it, but it's just very, very odd to me. Like I said, it's just one of those lines where you don't think it's a very big deal at all, but then all of a sudden you question it and it raises like 18 other questions. And and not for nothing. I mean, I know the ages of the actors are different and, uh, you know, Feruza Balk is a lot younger than Judy Garland was. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, there's no one, there's no one around. I guess, I mean, Dorothy, we saw Dorothy go out off by herself as though it was a normal thing. I'm guessing in this timeline, the child Dorothy, or, or maybe maybe in the farm and town is, oh, that's is different. Uh, you know, we assume there is some sort of town uh, that Dorothy's allowed to go into, but maybe, maybe not. Hmm. Actually, the, the discussion of the night... Uh, and and the dark it, that reminded me, uh, you know, get back before dark. They'd have to. How would you ever find their house again? 
<laughs> There's nothing around. We see the shot on the way to Cottonwood Falls, and it's just a giant, giant stretch of endless grass and field and there's nothing there's nothing around for miles. <laughs> it kind of makes me make, makes yeah. me wonder because uh, I've been li- listening to Lord of the Rings Minute. Give them a shout out. Excellent work mm-hmm. uh, over there on the, the Dueling Genre Network. Uh, and it's almost Game of Thrones season again. Uh, it probably it will be Game of Thrones season. The time you're listening to this. Uh, or it'll be almost Game of Thrones season. It'll be almost. We'll be we'll be all excited with anticipation. Yes. Uh, makes, me, makes me wonder about traveling at night. We've sort of taken that for granted, having in the century of electricity. Uh, but they wouldn't. I mean, you'd have to have a you know lanterns or something, or I guess not travel at night. Well, no, you definitely traveled at night. Um, I'm going to embrace a girly stereotype. Um, if you read a lot of, I think they're called bodice rippers, but people are always running away to elope at Gretna Green overnight. And it, it's the, the carriages have lanterns. So you're traveling on well-established roads. You're following the road and your carriage has a lantern on it. So you can see the road around you. And so you can still travel at night. Now, obviously, certain places would be more convenient than others, and their farm, as we established, is literally in the middle of nowhere. So I don't know how well that part would go. Okay, so that uh, that kind of answers that. Yeah, I I don't know how she would have again. Well, luckily, they stay up all night with the lights blazing, so she could have hopefully seen the light in the distance and headed for it. (laughs) Yeah, if you're following a well-established road, I feel like that'd be easier. And then hopefully by the time she's off the road, she'll be able to see Uncle Henry still up after 1am. So, (laughs) she could have done it, but I, I I don't blame her for wanting to get back. Um... I also feel like I owe an apology to the actress playing Aunt Em, which I don't think we've talked about yet. Um, Aunt Em's played by Piper Laurie, who is absolutely fabulous, even though I've called her a monster many times, questioned things, said she looks too young, that she doesn't match, that she's mean, accused her of slipping in and out of accent. No, Piper Laurie is awesome, but I I popped over onto her biography to see if there was anything that would explain, like, a little slip of an accent, and it's not. She's from Michigan. She lived in New York and Southern California, mostly, so that doesn't really explain it, but she's been, I mean, she was in The Hustler. She was in Carrie. She's absolutely fabulous. Uh, I don't think this... role as on M is exactly her claim to fame, although it is one of the known for movies that pops up when you look her up on IMDb. (laughs) Although now I'm worried that mine just did that because, you know, it knows I look up this movie a lot. Ooh, another one that came up as known for is The Faculty. 
Um, I don't think anyone's doing a minute by minute of it. Get on that, guys. I want to listen to that. Um, <laughs> let's see. I don't think we've made a Star Wars connection yet this episode. But we made a Lord of the Rings connection. Does that count? <laughs> well, at least in the... If, we're, if we want to take a look at the script. Okay. Uh, so her Aunt Dim's line in the, in the script is, I've never left her out of my sight amongst strangers. Which is a little different than I've never let her out of my sight before. Yeah. It's like, and and that makes sense. You know, she's a little kid. When would you have left her with strangers? You know. But but that that's hmm. letting Aunt Dim kind of signal to Dorothy, like, oh yeah, they're these are strangers. Where what we get is kind of a very buddy buddy. Well, I guess not buddy buddy, but yeah. she and she and the doc are are chummy in a way. Uh, discussing the fact that she's going to leave Dorothy here with them. Although she does look a little, like you said, I don't think she was expecting this, and she does look a little like, is this a mistake? I'm not so sure about this, but she's doing the brave front thing. As she, as she leaves Dorothy, which I think is why she is babbling to the nurse a little bit. But I have to say, Dorothy is taking this all extremely well. I mean, she's just like, okay, I'm here. This is fine. Well, I mean, she survived a tornado only six months ago. She's being left at a doctor's office. Big whoop. <laughs> That's true. I didn't think of that. Actually, the first uh, panel I shared from the graphic novel on the Flying Sofa Listener Society was about how she's been through all these adventures. So, like, she just kind of was like, eh, I'll just go along with things. It'll work out. I know I can handle it. <laughs> I guess I don't give her uh, credit for her resiliency. And uh, Dr. Worley in the script does refer to her again as Mrs. Blue. Ugh, so we can't even just pretend that was a one-time mistake? She, nope, she was definitely Mrs. Blue for a while. Unless that was just something they were doing in the script. Like as a placeholder type. Just calling her Mrs. Blue. Emerald Blue. What a name. Henry Blue does not have the same ring to it. I now need to work on some Blue's Clues fanfic. It was a little after my time. See, my sister was younger than me by seven years, so she was firmly in the Blue's Clues camp. Oh, okay. So, while I was the cool, too cool for it, it, I was still very aware of it. And also, actually, Blue's Clues was kind of infamous because one of my friend's sisters was the voice of TikTok on that show. So, we liked to get, like, TikTok stickers and stuff and tease him with it. 
Which, I don't know why we thought that was teasing. She probably made good money off that and got to be on a Nickelodeon show. I don't know why we thought that wasn't cool. Yeah, I was going to say, that could have been the start of a lucrative career. Maybe it was the jealousy teasing. Like, oh, that's so stupid. Because I can't do it. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, we... uh, All the Nick Jr. stuff... Eureka's Castle, actually, was the best one era I think but I definitely knew all the little dance and also those are the things that I don't know about your parents but my parents would pick up things from TV shows we watched and then still reference them years later like like stuff from Winnie the Pooh the tut tut it looks like rain is still in regular use at my house whenever it's cloudy and you know you should bring an umbrella and Blue's Clues had the song about the mail. So, basically, anytime you get the mail, and you, you can sing, here's the mail, it never fails, it makes me want to wag my tail. So, those are things that even years later, like, I could do that tomorrow at my parents' house, and no one would bat an eye. They'd just be like, yep, <laughs> that's a reference we all get. My family's kind of movie quote happy anyway, which is probably how I've ended up doing this podcast. What else is on the list here? Oh, I always just thought it was creepy the way she says, we have excellent meals here. Oh. She's just creepy in general. I didn't even pick up on that as a particularly creepy thing. I mean, what, what is that supposed to mean? I'm, one, they brought the lunch pail. So they thought that they brought the lunch pail because they thought it was only going to be a short trip. No, that sounds like a long trip. Dorothy was going to need a lunch. Okay. Well, but it wasn't an overnight trip. It was an all day thing. It's like when you have the really long road trip, so you know you need to stock up on snacks. Yeah, but then they they say, oh, it's not necessarily necessary. We have excellent meals here. If you were Aunt Dim, wouldn't you just take the lunch pail back? I'm going to talk about my issues with the lunch pail next week. But, yeah, um, I, I don't understand why she just doesn't take it with her since Dorothy's staying. Also, this implies that, like, it's before... Like, Dorothy hasn't eaten lunch yet? Doesn't Aunt Em need lunch, too? It's kind of a... Again, it's one of those things where, as a kid, you don't question it. You're just like, yeah, it's not that it makes no sense. It's just when you try and analyze it one minute at a time, all of a sudden you start seeing all these things that you never questioned before that don't stand up under scrutiny. Yeah, the, the, the timing the timing doesn't work out. We don't know where they started. We did find out where Franklin was and Cottonwood Falls. <laughs> which But we don't know this we don't know point A. Well and they can't be the Cottonwood Falls and the Franklin in their locations as they exist in the real world. because uh, they're too, they're just too far apart. Well, they're just too far apart. <laughs> That's true. For a day's journey. In, uh, by carriage. Yeah. Oh, uh... 
I don't remember if I brought it up before, but I'll bring it up again either way. Uh, so my count of the farm is wrong because there. Well, what? so there's there's chickens. There's a cow slash Uncle Henry making cow noises. <laughs> and there are apparently also these horses. Unless they borrowed the horses, too, from someone else. But there's no one else around. Oh, that's a, that's a good point. So they also have the horses for the carriage. Two horses. Okay. And that's it. That's everything. There were no crops. There are no other animals. This is... That's all we've seen that the farm has is... Three humans, a few chickens, one brown chicken. Well, once they get their Sankara stones back, they'll be all set. Indiana Jones minute. <laughs> Another very good minute. You should listen to that, too. You should listen to all of them, as we clearly do. No, I uh, I have been homesick, so I actually just watched Temple of Doom last night. And it's funny how many things I pick up on now that, again, like this movie, I never questioned as a kid. Their crops fell, they stole their children. Yes, all this is moving along perfectly logically until someone analyzes and breaks it down. It's like, wait, what, what's the timeline here? I see, I... That's kind of our thing. It's like, I saw a farm. It was on hard times. That made sense until I'm looking at it now and I'm like, why is the barn burned? But it does, where'd the food go? Like, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're working hard to get the house done before winter comes. Yet, it looks like they have no crops to, to be harvesting. So maybe, maybe the house isn't your big, you do need the house, but. What are you going to do all winter in the house when your barn is burned and your crops are non-existent? And you also yes. have no money. <laughs> yeah. I'm so thrown off and I think this is part of the 80s Disney but trying to pers but trying to portray late 1800s poverty of these aren't like, this is not what a destitute farming family would look like. Like, look at what Aunt Em and Dorothy are wearing. No! And like you said, they wouldn't be building that house. They would be making shelter. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah, the, the script uh, a couple minutes ago does talk about uh, the people we see on the side of the road in Franklin or going through Franklin, uh, as other families that have lost their homes in the tornado have built temporary shelter on the side of the, side of the road in this, you know, town as it is. Yeah. Sure, they've, they've got a temporary thing going. They're probably trying to figure out what they're going to do over the winter. Uh, Maybe that's why they move closer yeah. to town. Stay there for the winter and then start over in the spring. They're building this house. I mean, maybe, maybe they should ask Garnet for some help. Maybe instead of having Garnet pay for Dorothy to get an experimental electric shock therapy, <laughs> they should be asking Garnet, can we like crash at your place? Or could you help us hire a hand? 
because Henry's leg is broken and Aunt Anne built herself half a house. I'm trying to remember what the term is because I feel like there is an actual term for when it's it's the happiness conundrum or the the happy uh, the contentment conundrum where wherever you're at you're convinced you should be doing better and i think that's what aunt m is doing here where all aunt m can see is we have a mortgage we might have to take out a second mortgage our farm's not doing well we're going under everything is awful this can never work out and she does not see that they're actually like the most prosperous people we've seen in this area <laughs> where i you know you, you always get in your head like oh my god i'm not going to make it but they're clearly doing okay compared to other than this doctor and the nurse working for him those are the only people we've seen that are doing better than the gales at this point <laughs> the blues yeah don't make me sing again. Um, yeah, I know there's something for that where, like, you assume that everyone else is doing better than you are, even if you're the one that's doing okay, just because you're not doing great. I don't know. I read a lot of, like, personal finance blogs. <laughs> In second 59... So we're at, the, we're at the very edge of the minute here. Right in the minute. Absolute end of the yeah. minute. Aunt Em is standing up. The nurse is standing up. Dorothy's standing up. She's looking at Aunt Em. Behind the nurse is the doctor. And he's just sort of stroking his beard. Just off aloof. Yeah. And then, center of the scene, up at the top, there is a deer's head mounted. <gasps> okay. So I was wrong last minute. There is inspiration for everyone here in Kansas. Or her, her team. I like the way you put that. Instead of it being her new friends in Oz, it's her team. Yeah, definitely. The A team. The D team. <laughs> I'm. I didn't notice that. I am so. That nurse is so scary. Her shoulders alone are. You could kill someone with those. Um, for people who haven't watched the movie in a while, she's got some massive puff sleeve. That's not even like a puff. That's something totally different. She could be a Star Wars action figure. Actually, there's our Star Wars connection for this minute. She is totally somewhere in the court in Naboo working for Padme. Like, you get her a crazy headdress thing, she'd fit right in. Yeah. Oh, well, and changed her robe from, or dress from all black. Well, I guess, I guess C.O. C. Bibble. It could even C.O. Bibble was very monochromatic. Yeah. And maybe you could make her a brightly colored cape, but but sleeveless with a cutout, so you still have the giant puffs, but then you would have some color on the rest of her that's removable. That could be very exciting for the action figure. 
<laughs> she part she's part of the Calvarzian collection with uh, with her fancy cape. <laughs> oh, she wishes she was as cool as the Calvarzian collection. <laughs> oh man, yeah, no, that is just those are some scary. That is a scary outfit. They did good. You see her and you immediately are like, don't leave Dorothy with her. Well, that was second 59. Do you have anything for the last second? The last second? <laughs> I think we've, I think we've covered, uh, I think we've covered this minute. I think the last well. second is essentially the same. The doctor might move his hand slightly. More stroking of yeah. the beard. If you are going to miss us until the next episode, you can check out our website, returntoozminute.com, or follow us on Facebook or on Twitter. We are known as at OzMinute. OzMinute will also get you to the listener's uh, flying sofa. Uh, if you're <laughs> going to groups.facebook.com, we're there at OzMinute as well. And you can always go to weogtiogpiog.com, and that just redirects you to returntoosminute.com. But we like saying weogtiogpiog.com. <laughs> and speaking of saying that, weog. Tiog. Piog. Piog.